Welcome, folks, to the first episode of Dot Eco Secrets, the podcast, How to Change the World with Your Eco-Conscious Brand. My name is Jennifer Rapkins, co-founder of Nested Green Incorporated, our parent company, and also co-author of Dot Eco Secrets. I'm co-founded with Catherine Somerville, the other half to our brand, and also my mother, uh, but you'll be hearing from her on another day. I'm going to get started with a quick lead into this. Today's episode is about the impact Dot Eco Secrets is going to have on your life and business by showing you the difference it's made on my own life. If you're new to Dot Eco Secrets, we call this uh, the believer phase, if you will. Our mission is to build a community of like-minded, eco-centered interior designers. We're growing our ethical businesses using the power of the internet and sales funnels to earn massive incomes so that we can influence the marketplace and consumers for the benefit of the planet and for our children. If you're new, experienced, or somewhere in between, you can't miss this because our podcast will be providing priceless value to your business. And don't worry, if you don't have a business or if you're super new, that's all right. Uh, we'll be able to help guide you through your business so then you can find success through our challenges. Really excited to get started. All right, we're going to start right at the beginning here. Uh, I remember spending a lot of my school years very sick. No one was ever really sure why, myself included. Uh, but all I remember is spending a lot of time, uh, my recesses, uh, class time even, kind of in the bathroom a little too often. It wasn't until uh, my late teens, uh, I think I was 16, when a friend of mine had mentioned that he had the same problem growing up. Um, and for him, he found out that it was a lactose sensitivity. Now, in 2006, being lactose or gluten-free, uh, like in, in any of those types of uh, dietary restrictions, I mean, they were there, of course, um, but they weren't really heard of too often. I barely knew anything about it. So this information was kind of news to me, and, it, and quite frankly, it freaked me out. So uh, after seeing some doctors and such, I thankfully found out that I wasn't allergic to anything, but I did a bit of journaling in terms of managing my diet and exercise and all that. Um, and we established that I did have a lactose sensitivity. So it wasn't lactose intolerant, just sensitive. Uh, once I made the commitment to make a drastic change to my diet, I did notice a huge difference in how my body responded. So like any of us, <laughs> I jumped through a number of different hoops to get healthy, I suppose. I jumped on the gluten-free bandwagon back in 2010 when that was like ridiculously trendy, which I have to say actually did make a huge difference for me. And while I love my bread too much to truly give it up, it did teach me to be a little more conscious about my health choices when I was looking for something to eat, whether at the grocery store or even in restaurants. I'm actually, actually like more so at restaurants. <laughs> um, so on top of the diet, I also observed my activities. So I did a lot of martial arts growing up. I moved over to yoga, which has been pretty on and off over the years. And I have about 10 years of construction background now. I'm not like building houses or you know anything too intense. I do more renovation based stuff and small handy 
handy woman type stuff, but it, it gets pretty labor intensive sometimes. Um, I also, I'm also a professional uh, floor installer too, so that's pretty aggressive. So suffice to say, I've been fairly active in my, my life, um, but I have to work even harder if I want to keep any weight off or even just to lose weight. Uh, I notice that I ebb and flow quite quite often. I'll see photos and I'm like, oh man, I was thin. What happened? <laughs> and not really know what exactly got me there. Um, so that aside, with all those hoops that I was jumping through, I was also jumping through a lot of hoops in my career. So um, I'm going to jump ahead a few years to when I was 22. I was engaged to my now ex-husband <laughs> and uh, I left my low-paying retail job for a cushy government position. I mean, when you hit 22 and, and that is your life, that's pretty awesome. And I was really, really grateful to have that opportunity. I worked really hard to get to that. I And, and the thing is, is that I took the government position because I thought it was the right thing to do. Every like I'm from Ottawa. Everybody works in the government, so I was like, "Well, this is it. This is my life, right?" And and for some people, that's okay. But you know what? I when I sat there every day, I felt flat and so unfulfilling. I was bored. I would make up stuff for me to do. My bosses thought I was doing stuff like for them. And I mean, sorry, and like, I was, but nobody assigned me anything to do. And I quite frequently went up to them to ask them to give me stuff to do. But anyway, they I blow through work pretty fast. And I guess that's something you don't do in the government. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so all that aside, while I was working there, I noticed something else pretty substantial. I was getting sick again, like really sick. And, and it was weird because it wasn't like when I was a child where I'm like, oh, you know, the, the lactose thing. I just, I felt it. My whole body. I I was like getting depressed and I I couldn't, I was so hard to describe how I was feeling, but it was, it was like my whole body was droopy. <laughs> That's a weird way of putting it. But anyway, so after a lot of contemplation, um, I my management for whatever reason decided they wanted to extend my contract because that's what the government does i guess um but with discussion with my um hubby to be that i would just take the time off let's let's just take a break from this i really needed that time to recover so here's part b of that was that at that time we were trying to save for a new house and so we decided to really condense our lives and we moved into this tiny and i mean tiny cramped dank basement apartment and i mean it was all right but we knew when we were moving in that this was not going to be fantastic and so i guess this is just poor timing so i had to do the best to distract myself uh, so I could focus on healing as fast as possible, of course. Uh, so I did things like my wedding projects. So I got to do a lot of DIY wedding stuff, which was great. And it turned out really, really nicely. Um, 
And you know what? I was really thankful to have my mom with me during this time because after a lot of substantial trauma in her own life, she was actually taking the time for herself to heal as well. So with a little bit of context here, with 20 years experience as an interior designer at that point, she was really eager to share with me her epiphany on environmental effects in our household. Bing! <laughs> it never occurred to me at that time that the old government building I was working in was making me so sick. It wasn't food. It wasn't my activity levels. It was the, it was the damn building. <laughs> on top of that, with my dark, tiny basement apartment, the mildew, the mold and mildew in the place, and there was a huge rodent problem that we were having like mice and stuff like that climb through the, like in between the floors. It was disgusting, by the way. That was also making me sick. So I never, this blew my, the concept of external forces <laughs> blew my mind that that could make me sick. So at this point, I was feeling super self-conscious about my body and my health overall. I was getting married and I didn't feel very good about myself. I was sick all the time. I went to the doctors all the time. Nobody ever had any answers for me. And because I had left my job, we were also feeling really strapped for cash. Just relying on my fiance's job was not cutting it. Like we were kind of just barely sliding by at that time. And with a wedding to pay for, we were also kind of digging ourselves a bit of a hole. So I was thankful I had the option to spend my time off with my mom. Um, and, and she helped wean this better quality food into my diet. And like, I, at that time, I hated, and I mean hated, salads. I would eat them, but they weren't my go-to thing. I didn't like a lot of veggies uh, and or the way that they were prepared. I didn't like avocado, you know, all that type of stuff. And she had to like wean this into my diet. And I'm so thankful for it because now I love them. And I don't know what she does with these salads, but they're flipping amazing. <laughs> So, on top of that, I was starting to feel a little bit better, of course, right? And that encouraged me to get into some other types of exercise. So, I did, um, like, I had a Wii Fit so that I could do yoga at home uh, because I couldn't afford to go to a yoga studio. Um, I tried doing this. There was this, like, 5K run challenge thing at the time or something like that. I do not run, but I certainly tried for like two weeks <laughs> so that didn't last but I do a lot of walking so there was that um, so uh, all of that to say with discussions about her aspirations like with this epiphany we decided to spend a bit of time to kind of dig deeper about this whole concept with interior design and and her business so I'm gonna I'm gonna backpedal a little bit here to indicate that Catherine had a an interior design business for about five years that she ran entirely by herself. And it kind of flopped towards the end of it. And and most of this uh, trauma that happened in her life was pretty much the reason why it just kind of plummeted so quickly. But it 
it was hard. It was very hard to do that on her own. So I had a lot of strengths where she was weak and we were noticing in the beginning of all this, like, oh, maybe this is something we can do together. Uh, so gonna fast forward a little bit again. My, um, so when I was talking to uh, David, who was my uh, hubby to be at the time, he was uh, stressed out. Um, and he was very good about being as supportive as he could be, but I could tell that he was feeling very strained about it. He has always lived his life very, um, both financially, but also um, kind of emotionally stable. So this is the first time kind of acknowledging that his wife-to-be has entrepreneurial um, aspirations and I don't mind taking the risk. So, whereas he doesn't. <laughs> so that's quite the adjustment and we're going to talk about that on another day. Um, but while I took on assisting my mom learning how this crazy online world worked in 2012 and then also experimenting with my own side business doing house cleanings. So I was technically jobless, okay, and then we were working on some logistics of what is now nested green. So while I was figuring out all this nitty gritty government stuff and like what do I need and trying to incorporate a business, holy smokes, not an easy deal. Um, I decided to take on a sole proprietor business, which was my house cleaning, to kind of just get a an idea. So it was kind of uh, <laughs> like an experiment, but like a proactive one because I was eventually I was earning money from it and trying to wean myself back into work so I could take on a few clients at a time um, and be able to reinvest that money back into the business that we were working on. So there were a lot of challenges in all of this. There was a ton of technical struggle and trying to figure out who could help us was challenging when we had very little money to spend. So like I'm, I'm pretty tech savvy, all things considering, but I don't write HTML. I can edit it kind of, but I'm not fluid in it by any means. And at that time, websites were the thing to do. And even with like Wix and WordPress and, you know, all these websites that are kind of DIY friendly, it was still very challenging to use. And even I tried building, oh God, I tried building a website before that and that was a straight up no-go. <laughs> uh, so it's times like that where it's opportunity cost, but anyway, I am getting distracted. So let's, let's get back on track here. Um, so after getting married, my husband was adamant about me working again until things started picking up um, with our business or even with my cleaning business because after funding for a unfortunately but fortunately uh, expensive wedding, we were seriously in debt. Like, it was bad. We were also making a lot of poor financial decisions. We bought a new car, which, I mean, we needed in all fairness, but maybe we didn't need a new car, but we had discussed it. Anyway, um, we went on a 
couple of vacations. I mean, we tried to be financially uh, savvy about it. Like, we, we weren't just being totally silly about it, but we weren't making compromises either, like, or anything too... Um, we weren't penny-pinching enough, or the way that we should be, perhaps. But, you know what, we were young, and we wanted to enjoy our life, and we were optimistic that things would be okay, and it dug us further and further into a hole. But I pretended everything was okay. Ignorance is bliss, right? <laughs> right? Uh, his So his family was... Uh, well, and are well off, um, and there was a lot of pressure to make good money, and I'm, I'm going to quote, live good lives, as my ex-mother-in-law once said. Uh, she meant well, I'm sure. As she, uh, she worked very hard to find her own success story, and she just wanted the best for her kids, and so I get that, but it, that's a lot of pressure. There was also a lot of social pressure, and it's kind of the reason why I was so eager to get married was because all my friends around me, around me, excuse me, were getting married and just pumping out kids pretty quick too. And like we knew that kids were not in our near future, and that thought in itself made us really sad that we couldn't even consider it because we just wouldn't be able to afford it. At least we were realistic in that sense. <laughs> So, on top of all this, we took on a ton of side renovation projects. So, David um, is in construction as well, and he builds houses for a living, does a lot of that type of stuff. Um, and uh, so, we were taking on all these projects, and all while doing my cleaning business, I also picked up that part-time job he wanted me to get. And you know what? While I don't shy away from work, it was another retail position, which... In fairness, I don't mind, but it was less than, it was, I was getting paid less than what I was getting paid at my original retail job from like when I left for the government job. And the worst part was, is that I was getting so harassed from the management because of my customer service skills. And I'd like to just put it out there that I've been like awarded <laughs> For my customer service skills. I pride myself in trying to provide the best service I can to everyone around me and not even just customers but in my daily life. Like I will do my best. I'm an empathic person. I want to do that. So to be harassed that I can't bring my customer to the product is just beyond ridiculous to me. Anyway, <laughs> so Unfortunately, um, this was a bit of a, a negative morale in the store because I wasn't the only one who was feeling this. All the youth, for whatever reason. Anyway, I am getting venti. <laughs> so um, I was so eager to try and pull in more clients with my cleaning business, which I eventually and incidentally, oh sorry, which I, now I'm getting all excited here, <laughs> which I eventually did. And the funny thing is, is I had my resignation letter like in my hand and I got called into the office and got fired f like literally five minutes before I was going to be like, hey, by the way, I'm out of here. <laughs> and um, 
anyway, I was so happy to, to leave that. I like, and the sad thing is I actually, I enjoyed the job. I liked the people. I liked my customers. I liked the product, blah, blah, blah. Management was horrendous. Anyway, so thankfully with that behind me, I was eager to start focusing on my new little business. And now with a little more time to focus on Nest, Nested Green um, and all the logistics, I was starting to feel a little bit better and just more focused clear-minded, you know, all that kind of stuff. But because I had to leave that part-time job, finances were straining again. Um, and, and my cleaning jobs were okay, but they weren't too financially supportive. Like cleaning, like if you've ever cleaned houses for a living, it's, it's aggressive on the body too. It's a lot of bending and, and even with yoga, like my body ached for days <laughs> and it, like even doing back-to-back -back jobs in, in a day was really really tough on me um, so like that was challenging especially when I was still trying to recover myself from my my government gig anyway um, so in experimenting with trying to get the cleaning business going um, and help pave the way for Nested Green I, I spent a lot of money on trial and error so things like the websites that I tried, logos, which I mean isn't a waste of money, but we spent way too much time, way too much time on it. One thing I've learned, and we'll go, we'll go into this another day, that like you don't need to spend nearly as much time on a logo as you might think you do. Business cards, don't even flip and need them anymore. <laughs> Um, I have a box that I ordered like two or three years ago just for the sake of having them and like handed out what like three four maybe and and like everything there's all this there's this men mental belief that you need to have certain things and there's a few uh, uh, influencers I know that talk about the briefcase thing right like oh in order to be a businessman I need to have a briefcase no no you don't <laughs> so I was wasting time and I was wasting resources and with money depleting quickly we needed to figure out something fast <laughs> so when we finally landed uh, the first bit like our first few clients um, our first few gigs it was very like we weren't really doing a whole lot. It was all just concept designs. Like we never really got to get into the whole renovation part, which is really where we start making our money. And and I mean, that was fine. It was a good, we, we reflect on times like this as a good exercise uh, and to acknowledge, okay, here's how far we've come along, really. So, but the thing with these clients was that like, they were little to no pay really enough to keep our business going but not enough to get paid and it was hard to move forward if we couldn't afford to keep things going so there was a couple of things pretty major at that time that we were noticing that were pretty consistent so while so first off while we appreciate and cherish those customers who helped us get started in the business they are not our ideal clients there was potential for them and because we were still finding our message at the time, it, it made it challenging to be able to share, but they were not interested in hearing what we had to say. So this follows into number two. 
We wanted our clients to invest in products that were healthier for their home, but they didn't care. And so we have this thing now where, well, first off, we don't take clients who aren't interested in what we have to say, but for a period of time, we used to tell our customers, like, we'll care for you. So, like, if you're not interested, we will just do our thing the way that we want to because we won't buy products for our customers that we are not 100% proud to sell, like, to have our name associated with. Do you know what I mean? So, with all these, with these things in mind, we needed to improve on this, clearly. Um, we were also noticing that because, and so here's a big thing here, because we were noticing that we were desperate for work, we were taking on anything. And so, while eager to work for new potential clients, 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 <laughs> they ended up liking the work or suggestions, but compromised everything for budget. So, that was frustrating, to say the least. We had established our perfect avatar for our business, but our desperation in finding our ideal client sat idle for almost two years before they finally came along because we accepted, we found our message, we figured it out. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. That makes sense to me. <laughs> so they were looking for exactly what we wanted to provide and of course we were hired instantly. And so things were finally starting to look up for us. But something new came up. While shopping for them, we, we were really struggling to find the products that they wanted. With all of the resources available to us, we had a challenging time finding companies that aligned with us so we could sell their product. <laughs> it's like they're invisible. Finding organic anything is a little easier now, but a few years ago, very, very challenging. And so our clients were eager, eager to purchase um, but finding the facts that we wanted to know about the products were like pulling teeth from the manufacturer. Oh, so sidetrack here. You ever want to know how green a company really is? Is when you ask them hard-hitting questions that, like things that they don't have in their marketing. So that, I'm going to give a, a, an example here, and I know I'm starting to get a little long here, sorry. But we went into this beautiful... Um, store. It's a, it's kind of a, they have a couple of locations in Ottawa and I don't want to say it because it's like the company name because that would be unfair, but they offer a lot of live edge wood products and it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Um, and they're talking about the rainforest. They're, they're showing that they, they, it's like they're faking that they're green. So like, from our perspective, we went in there and we're like, so are they like replanting the trees or are they clear cutting? Like, what's their process? So we actually met with the store owner and we're asking these questions like, hey, where do you get your trees from? Uh, who's cutting them down? And uh, what's the process? And is there a recovery? Like, there are a lot of tree-based products in here. And while the products are gorgeous, you're killing a lot of forests here, guy. <laughs> so what are your, what's your green initiative? And he couldn't answer them. He was distracting us. He was going around the bush by showing us all these beautiful products, 
but it wouldn't answer the question. So inevitably we had to like make a judgment call. We're not going to shop here. You can't answer our questions. We didn't feel comfortable knowing we'd be supporting somebody who's faking their green initiative. And and that is a whole other subject. And I'm, I know I'm saying these things and it's more of a reminder for myself to write this stuff down <laughs> um, because greenwashing is a huge, huge thing. So we're struggling to find so many key pieces for our clients. You know what? We just said, screw it. And we found local suppliers to make the products. So the overall process of creating them could take a little longer because they're custom made, right? But honestly, ended up being more cost effective. We found like one of our clients' tables was easily a few thousand dollars cheaper for a better quality product that was locally made from wood that was reclaimed from our Ottawa rivers. What? <laughs> so with that, we ultimately appreciated that we were also supporting other local businesses. So we realized we need to establish a, a network of local fabricators that we want to work with exclusively to create our own line of ideal products. So it's easier to present these products to our clients in the future. Because, I mean, we've dealt with clients who are not quite as visual as others. Other, some really need that, well, I need to see it, I need to touch it. And yeah, I get that. Um, and it was, and it's, and so definitely a harder sell to sell something custom to somebody who has no idea what they want, right? But like even our kitchens were custom made, and we didn't have to deal with broken boxes like the the skeletons or like the bases and stuff like that. We didn't have to deal with dings or anything. And if there were, we didn't know about them because the guys would fix it <laughs> before we found out. <laughs> so, and like. With, with me mentioning that our furniture was custom-made, or at least most of it, any pieces that weren't custom-made were at least custom-selected from well-reputable manufacturers that we were comfortable buying from. So, there was another big observation <laughs> through the few years that really perturbed us. Um, so we had the opportunity to take on a couple of interns through the through these few years to provide some practical experience for them. And this was my mom really wanting to share her experience because when she was an intern or just out of school, she got shoved in a supply office and like sorting out through samples. And you're not getting like proper field experience through that. So we wanted to really show these ladies like this is how you run a business. This is the struggles because we were in our first few years. These are the challenges that we have. Do you know any of these things? Maybe you should probably work on that. You know what I mean? In order to better yourself and your future. Right? So they were awesome, but they had no idea how to utilize the perfect resource that they use every day, hint, technology, for their benefit. So when they weren't taking on their intern jobs, they were working part-time jobs in retail or in a corporate firm that just didn't advance their skill set. And then on the flip side, the senior designers that Catherine and I met, the people she's known since college, were still relying on word-of-mouth references. 
they were still working sales positions, selling toilets or marble countertops or whatever, and and just unfulfilling kitchen design jobs. I mean, that Catherine's done it too. She's she's lived those lives, <laughs> so we're speaking from experience here. But many lived in a facade of just pretending they were doing okay financially when they couldn't admit to themselves that they weren't. We've seen it. We have seen it. <laughs> we're noticing that people, like, this is an, an incredible opportunity in this industry because people are still selling the same crap to consumers they've been selling for the last 20 years instead of the innovative products that are here just not seen that's better for the client and funny enough potentially could earn them more money too if you're a commission-based or um or, or if you have a special deal with a wholesaler, whatever, whatever your deal is, that you could earn more money because these products are a little more expensive, right? Because they're still fresh to the industry. So this was an eye-opener for Catherine and I when we made the conscious decision to make a change in the industry, in this industry. We need to make an impact. Interior designers, interior decorators, architects, they, we, they, we, <laughs> don't need to sit in a saturated industry and not making the difference that I bet you, you want to make. I bet anything, you went into this industry wanting to make a difference, to change somebody's life. And you know what? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you probably have. If you're, I mean, and this saying, if you're an experienced designer, architect, whatever, if you're experienced, chances are you have impacted somebody's life for the better, and that's wonderful. But you're probably not making the impact you wish you could. So, and this this thing, this crazy thing, is that we're noticing from these girls, from these interns that we had, that Catherine was just like, they are teaching you the same things that they taught me 30 years ago in school. Very, very little new next to the fact that instead of drafting tables, there's computers, right? So there's also a contractor, sorry, I'm getting like, <laughs> I don't know if triggered's the right word for this, but like just this blows my mind, okay. so. The, the thing is, so I personally am not an interior designer, but I've lived this life, okay? So I've 10 years experience in the construction industry, watching my mom, helping my mom through the years. I've also seen it throughout my whole life, okay? And this industry is weird because they're, the selling tactics are outdated. And look, I'm not here to berate you about how you sell your product or what your commission's like or if you're by hour or if you're by quote, whatever. It's all good. It's it's how you run your business. Um, so I'm going to try and wrap things up here because I know I've been going off on a bit of a tangent. Um, and I, I really, I really want to create value in this podcast series about how to hopefully um, help you with your business and, and not to say to change things, but perhaps 
help gain more clients, how to utilize social media. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to use the word website, but um, anything in that kind of regard, uh, how to get with the times, I suppose, is the nicest way of saying it. <laughs> so, look, we've been developing products or we're in the process of it. Uh, for our community of designers to work with us. So you guys are going to help design this product with us. Um, so then that way, one day, you can sell it yourself, right? So in that way, it's healthy for them, it's healthy for you, it's healthy for the environment, it's all happy. And more, more so, you're, we're collectively, we're creating an impact by building a tribe together, helping each other out. There's such large competition in the interior design industry. Nobody wants to talk to each other. Nobody wants to share things. I notice this in a lot of different industries, so it's not just us. But it there's while we're considered a saturated industry, there's enough of us to go around. And, and the interior design business, like, a lot of people could definitely utilize it and don't realize they need that service. And this is why we want to show you how to sell your skills and how to sell yourself to your clients without any more effort than you're already doing. Aha. <laughs> so we're working together on to making an impact towards helping you guys create healthier homes and ultimate, ultimately, words, a healthier planet together. So I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to my first recording and me awkwardly stumbling through it. <laughs> there are many amazing things on the horizon coming up and I can't wait to share that with you. And if you, so, just a little side note here. I'm very business oriented um, and Catherine is very science almost. You want to know about silkworms? Oh god, she will tell you that story. <laughs> it's very fascinating though. I will give her that for sure. But it's so it's the science behind the environmental aspects of everything, um, definitely her perspective on the interior design industry, and then myself, business, tech, um, even outside perspective too, which is uh, definitely has its own level of value. It's the reason why we have found success working together, because I have been able to balance her out and keep her modern as well. Um, so, with that, if you haven't already, please subscribe to the podcast channel so that way you are constantly up to date. Um, we're going to try and aim for posting Mondays and Thursdays, uh, and we'd love to hear what you think of our channel. If, if there's something about it that you like or you don't like or you'd like to hear more of and all that, I all the feedback in the world is appreciated. And if we can answer any questions, if there's comments or concerns along the way, we will absolutely get to those. Um, if it's a really good question, we might talk about it in a podcast episode. Uh, if you're interested in being a guest, please let us know, because that would be really cool too. And in the meantime, join us at karmadesigners.com to join our community 
And uh, if you're interested, if you're on Instagram, which you should be, it's at nested green. And then uh, that way you can see what we're up to on our kind of daily lives. All right. Thank you, everybody, and take care.